You're listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. Now here's your host, Chris McPherson. And we are back. It's another edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. I am Chris McPherson, joined alongside my main man, Alex Smith. And I'm still going to bring the juice. I'm obviously disappointed, like all Eagles fans out there. Tough loss Sunday in Detroit. Going into the game, it was one that I was like, I didn't see how the Eagles could lose. And mm-hmm. I tried to go through different scenarios. If this guy steps up, if this happens, if Carson Wentz makes mistakes, I just didn't see how everything would unfold. But still, at this point, the Eagles are 3-1 and one in a great yeah. situation. And look, in a couple days, depending on when you download this, the Eagles are going to be battling Washington in their first NFC East showdown of the season. And these are the games that they have to win right here. Looking back at that Detroit game, for me, it was one of those games where you go into it with kind of that sinking feeling. And I think a lot of it for me was just walking back inside of Ford Field where we were there with the Eagles last year on Thanksgiving. And we all remember how that went. And with, you know, the first half of that game, most of the first half of that game, it felt like it was going to be that all over again. They're down 21 to 7 and Stafford looks great and all these things are happening. And they come out of halftime, just a completely different team on both sides of the ball. And Doug Peterson mentioned it, but it, it shows how different this team is than I think teams of years past. So, yes, it's a loss, but at the end of the day, you know, it's a one point loss. It's the first loss of the year. The Eagles are still three and one, and so much to be excited about with this team. So, you know, I'm with you, C Mac. I'm upbeat. I'm not going to be a, a Debbie Downer on this podcast. So, this week, our special guest is kicker Caleb Sturgis. Now, we recorded this interview at the end of last weekend. He had a great performance. When we know who we're going to have as our guest for the upcoming podcast, mm-hmm. you know, we're, I'm watching the game through a slightly different prism where I'm like, I just hope that whoever it is, A, doesn't get hurt, right, and B, has a good game. Uh-huh. And Caleb Sturgis is in a position where there's really, he had a good game or he didn't. There's really almost no in-between. Mm-hmm. It's either, it's not like you have enough snaps or enough opportunities to really kind of say, well, you know, he did some things well here, maybe struggle there. Right. No, he made his kicks or he didn't. And he went out and had a huge 50-yard field goal just before halftime. That was huge. Clutch kick there to get them in position. And he's been phenomenal this season. Yeah, I think he missed his first kick of the season against Cleveland. And since that point, he's made 10 straight. And I think maybe two or three of them have been 50-plus. I think he's got a a couple 50-yarders, got a 53-yarder. He's been really, really consistent for this team, really even dating back to last year. I know he had a couple misses early when he first signed with the Eagles, but he's been a really consistent kicker. So this Sunday will actually be a revenge game for him because his first game as an Eagle was at That's right. Washington, and he had the couple critical misses. So. That's right. So certainly Caleb Sturgis looking to have a big game on Sunday. So in our interview with Caleb Sturgis, we delved into his interesting background. He was homeschooled mm-hmm. growing up, grew up in a big family, was homeschooled. We find out his journey from becoming a high school soccer player to high school football player, Mm -hmm. how he earned a job at the University of Florida, how he has a brother who is also a professional athlete. I Mm -hmm. bet that's a uh, did-you-know type question right there. And just what it's been like getting acclimated to life in Philadelphia. And then we're going to catch up with his better half, (laughs) his wife, Kimberly, who is going to share some of the details about what it's like in terms of the how you never know what's going to happen, you know, mentality of the NFL business mm-hmm. where one week you have a job, the next week you're out. And she's going to share her story of what it was like when Caleb was released by the Miami Dolphins and then signed by the Eagles and how that competition has played out in Philadelphia and how she's adjusted to becoming an NFL wife. But first, our interview with Caleb Sturgis again, three field goals in last week's loss to the Detroit Lions, including a 50 yarder. 
has been big for the team this season, putting the team in prime position on numerous occasions to either extend the lead or make the games closer when when needed to. Thinking back to what he did earlier this season in Chicago with a 53-yard attempt, but been a big help for the team on special teams so far this year. But let's learn more about the person who Caleb Sturgis is. Here is our interview with kicker Caleb Sturgis. Caleb, welcome back to the podcast. You joined us last year. Yeah, thank you for having me again. This is your second season in Philadelphia, and you spent the first two seasons of your career in Miami. Can you kind of compare and contrast what's been like playing in the two different places? I think professional football just means a little more up here. Your rivalry games, there a lot of them are within a train ride or bus ride away. And I think people just care a little bit more about professional football in the north or in the south. You have a lot of colleges that really rival the professional game. So do you get recognized more in Philadelphia? Can you walk around town and be like, hey, there's Kicker Caleb Sturgis as opposed to where in Miami maybe you're more anonymous? Right. I would say it happens more, but still very infrequent. (laughs) Uh, I'm a pretty normal looking guy, I think, on the street. Do you kind of like being able to just go wherever you want without having people just constantly come up to you? Yeah, I can't imagine being one of the basketball players here or something right. like that where, I mean, right away, yeah. you, you might not even know who they are, but you know they're important. Right. <laughs> but so for You me, see somebody <laughs> who's seven foot two, you know that they're right. <laughs> so I guess I like it. What has been the most interesting fan interaction you've had in your career, whether it's high school, college, or here at the pro level? I don't know. I really enjoy it. Anytime we get to do events, I think, with the different charities, you know, seeing how much it means to people in the community. All of mine are really positive for the most part. What was the first time you signed an autograph? It's probably senior year of high school. Okay. Did you have to work on your signature or did you already have one? That's not great, but I I wouldn't say I necessarily work on it. So you're from Florida. You played with the Dolphins. Was it a big adjustment for you to move up here to Philadelphia? A little bit. Things are a lot different up here. Traffic and hustle, bustle, you know, the cold weather and things like that. But I'm really glad I was able to. I don't know if I ever would have moved up north otherwise and really gotten to experience everything. And I love getting to see all the history here and being able to, again, take a train to New York or a train down to D.C. and see everything. So you grew up in St. Augustine, Florida. What was your childhood like? It was awesome. I really liked St. Augustine. Love getting back and visiting. And now I see myself one day, hopefully not anytime soon, probably moving back down there. To, Young to kicker, retire. you could go for 15, 20 years. Yeah. You look at Vinatieri in, in Indian, and he's on his 30th season, it feels like. Right, exactly. But no, I loved it there. You have the beach. I love having the beach. And weather's always warm. Played sports year-round. Just recently got into golf. But again, it's a great city for golf. How big of a part were athletics in your family life growing up? It was huge. I wouldn't say it was pushed on us, but my older siblings, one of six and the older siblings all were really good soccer players. So you you grew up kind of wanting to be like them. And we had a lot of pretty competitive games, (laughs) even amongst each other. Athletics, I would say, were huge. Where are you in the pecking order of of the six? I'm four of six. So was it one of those things where you were picked on more? Or was it one of those things where you're like, you know, since you're one of the younger ones, you got kind of step up your game a little bit to yeah. be able to hang with the older siblings. Yeah, four or six, you kind of get lost in the crowd. You know, you're not... <laughs> <laughs> Middle child syndrome. <laughs> yeah, I'd say I got picked on a good amount, but I wasn't allowed to pick on the the ones younger than me because then I'd get in trouble. So. Of course. <laughs> That's the way it works. Right. It's like penalties in football. It's not the person who actually instigated. It's the person who got caught last is the right. one who the refs see with that. Right. So. so is it true you were homeschooled growing up? My oldest sister and older two brothers were homeschooled all the way through high school. And through high school, okay. I was through middle school and then ended up going to high school. Is that a difficult transition to finally be, you know, go to a school setting? 
It is. Definitely test your social skills at that point. Fortunately, I did have sports growing up, played in competitive soccer league, so had a lot of friends there. But it's weird going to high school the first day, you go in the lunchroom, and there's 700 people and you don't know one person there. It's a, <laughs> it's a tough feeling. So was sports sort of your gateway there into the social world there in, in high school? Yeah, definitely. In the first year, I didn't play football again. I didn't start playing football until my sophomore year. But, you know, met the guys on the soccer team. And those were my first friends in high school and then kind of branched out from there. So how did you get pulled over to football since both at the same time of year? So... Right. So my older three siblings all went to Nice High School. A lot of people know if that's where Tebow went to school. Okay. And the crazy thing is they were really bad at football back then, and the soccer team was really good at Nice. And the older three were homeschooled, so they got to go play there. But since I went to school, I was zoned for St. Augustine High School, okay. who had a great football team and a bad soccer team. So You didn't want to be the savior <laughs> of the soccer team? Come in and carry them? Be like Pele to take them to, uh, to state championships and everything? I mean, we had our best years when I was there, but it's tough when it's an 11-person game. And there's only <laughs> We made it to, I think, the quarterfinals of state, so it was pretty good for us. So did you play both soccer and football? Were you able to? I did. So fortunately okay. in, in Florida, you know, down south, there are different seasons. Gotcha. So okay. I'm they, used to up here right. in this yeah. area where they're one and the same. So, mm-hmm. okay. So they overlap a little bit. I'd say I'd miss about a third of the soccer season with football, but still get to play in the districts and the playoffs and all that. So did the football coaches come saying, we need a kicker and kind of scout the soccer town to see how did the football aspect right. come so into it? At the time, uh, Dan Mowry kicked at Florida State and he uh, helped out with the kickers at the time. And okay. he was there with a senior who was trying to go out into college and he was at the high school and they were kicking and he had heard of my older brothers and sisters. They were pretty well known in soccer in the area and just asked me to come kick a football and I was pretty good at it. So the head coach of the high school team asked me if it would be something I'd be interested in. The Sturgis name yes, carries a big legacy down there. Well, your brother is still a professional soccer player, correct? Right, yeah. He's, I think he's in his 11th season. Did you see yourself as being a professional soccer player when you were growing up? Yeah, definitely when I was younger. But I was a realist, and pretty quickly I realized I wasn't near as good as he was. And, <laughs> and even then, he went to the IMG Academy, played mm-hmm. on the under-17, under-20 national teams. But even with all that, still... I think soccer only has maybe nine full scholarships. So he wanted to go to UNC. They only offered him 75%. And so I just seen all that and then realized what football could do for me, made the transition. Smart business move before anything else. (laughs) Right. So when do schools start recruiting kickers? You hear these stories of quarterback in eighth grade who verbally commits to USC, you know, that type of stuff. When do kickers come into the fray? I think now you're really starting to see it early becoming a specialized thing where guys are starting to do it a lot earlier. When I started kicking, I think most guys were similar stories to me. They were soccer players or did something else and just did the kicking kind of on the side. Now guys are starting to do it a lot earlier, being noticed earlier. For me, I'd say the first time people probably took notice was in our state championship game my sophomore year. We were playing in Dolphin Stadium, actually. And really? Okay. So in that game, I hit a kickoff that hit the upright. You know, that kind of got noticed. And then I hit a 49-yarder as a sophomore, which was pretty big at the time. In high school, it's huge, yeah. Some of the kids now, they're hitting the ball a long way in high school. So was the University of Florida somewhere that was always on your radar as a place you'd like to go? Right. My mom went to school at Florida, so grew up a big Gator fan. Even though I didn't necessarily think I was going to play football, I was still just a diehard Gator fan Mm and watched football all the time. Did other schools come into the mix, or was it pretty much Florida and... Uh, Florida offer, that's where I was going. But you keep an open mind knowing that it's not like a quarterback where if you're one of the best quarterbacks in the country, every school will offer you if you want to go there. Mm -hmm. For kicking, it's once every three years you need a guy. 
So definitely left the doors open, had some offers beforehand, but fortunately Florida did end up offering. Florida's got a pretty good track record of producing NFL kickers though, right? You know how many others are in the league right now? It's just Florida State, unfortunately. Never like talking about them, but they're, they've got a lot of good kickers in the league. You know, Jeff Chandler played a few years back, I think. Johnny Townsend, he's a punter. He's going to be playing soon. And the, the kicker there now will be soon, but right now it's just me. So what was your favorite memory of playing at Florida? I think the Florida-Georgia games, particularly probably 2008 and 2009. Some of my better memories, because we play in those games in Jacksonville, the mm-hmm. neutral site. You know, grew up a Jaguars fan. Was right down the road from where I grew up. So getting to play in the in the hometown stadium was always a, a cool feeling, and usually play my better games there. So is it true that you met your wife in uh, Florida? I, I did. She was a cheerleader at the time, and we met through a mutual friend. And uh, so the football player gets a cheerleader, <laughs> and I guess at Florida, even if you're not the quarterback, you know that you're the kicker and still get the cheerleader. So. Yeah, as long as you're playing good. <laughs> <laughs> what was the initial connection there? So one of the tight ends on our team at the time was dating her friend. She was part of a sorority, so went to one of their sorority functions and ended up meeting her. Really liked her right away, and fortunately she gave me a chance. <laughs> I was just going to say, was it feeling mutual, or was it one of those things where it's like, I don't mess with guys <laughs> with the football team or anything like that, or or was it pretty much there was a spark right off the bat? I think there's a little bit of spark, but I think she had to get to know me first and, and vice versa. So when did you guys get married? We got married a little bit over two years ago, so in 2014. And how has she helped you with the NFL process of changing teams and going through position battles and the uncertainty, you know, the ebbs and flows that comes with playing in the NFL. She's been a huge part of helping me and and you need somebody there because there's just so many things kind of that most fans don't see behind the scenes of you don't know if you're going to make a team until nine days before the first game. And so you're in a hotel at that point and then you have three or four days to go find a place and move everything back home and all that. So having somebody that really is able to take away some of the some of the stresses from you is a big part and just being there emotionally of it's a tough thing being cut losing your job so to have someone there for you let you know it's okay and that you're going to bounce back we talked a little bit earlier about how kickers can sometimes be anonymous it seems like when they aren't is only when they miss kicks and that extra pressure seems like it's always there how do you deal with that i'm sure there's a mental side to it right yeah that's it's the biggest thing at this level i would say there's so many guys that have the ability to kick at this level but what separates is how you respond to different things and for me it's just preparation the better i prepare the more comfortable i feel out there and the situation doesn't matter it's similar to being on a golf course you go out to the range and you're hitting every drive right down the middle it's a lot easier to go to the first tee box and feel confident out there you mentioned how you just kind of recently started playing golf do you take the same approach there i do but i try to keep it a little more stress-free uh, <laughs> I, I pay to play golf so i try to have a good time every time i play but there's definitely things i take from it and and realize the similarities so did you get into it because of the guys on the team i know donnie jones is a huge golfer Right. Yeah, I've been playing for about three years now. I'd say a little bit of that, a little bit of it. It's the off season and free time. Just something I think that's good too. One day in business and all that, being able to play, we meet a lot of good people through playing. What are your favorite things to do away from the field? So, you know, practice ends, you'll get to go home. What does Caleb Sergis do? In the off season, again, it's, I love playing golf, but during the season, enjoy spending time with my wife. We've really enjoyed, you know, the few weeks we've had here together, just walking around the city, trying different restaurants or the history here is really neat. So maybe seeing one thing a week. What's your favorite restaurant? I think the saloon is that that yep. was really good. Last year I lived down Gerard, so I, I'd go to El Camino at least mm-hmm. once a week. Okay. That was good. 
you live in the city? Relatively. Because I know some guys will be over in Jersey. They kind of like to be away from it. That's kind of their setting. Mm -hmm. Do you kind of like to be where the action is? I wouldn't want to be in downtown, Mm -hmm. but close enough to where I could almost walk there, short Uber ride, or I like being close where I can get there quickly. How was the transition for you coming to the league as someone who was drafted? Because a lot of kickers, they battle as rookie free agents, or they might have to bounce around for a couple teams before they get that spot. How was it for you being a fifth-round selection of the Dolphins? Right. I mean, I think it is big as far as, you know, at least the team has somewhat of a tie to you. It's definitely harder for the guys that go undrafted and have to compete with a guy who's been there and is already established. I mean, I had to compete with a guy who was already established at the time, but at least the Dolphins decided they wanted me and used a pick on me, so at least had some ties there. I have to ask you this because you spend a lot of time with Donnie Jones and John Dorenbos. <laughs> two interesting guys. Two very interesting characters. What have you learned from just being around those guys? Uh, they're very interesting characters. And they've been in the league a long time, two of the longest tenure players on the team. Right. Learn a lot and laugh a lot, yeah, <laughs> for sure. sure. Those two absolute characters. You know, John's amazing with his magic and, and the way he interacts with people. I think I've learned so much of he knows everybody, everybody in the building and he's probably their favorite person. It, it really showed me you know, how much building relationships means in this business, and, and watching both of them, you know, their approach to the game of you know, the things that matter, they concentrate a lot on, but the things that don't matter, they let go, and I think that's why they've lasted this long and still enjoy it so much. What are the meetings like with the three of you and Coach <laughs> Fip? <laughs> They're a good time. Well, I mean, Coach Fip's very detailed-oriented, so he keeps us all in line. And then the other two guys, they'll sometimes make it fun. But we, we get a lot done in the meetings and a fun group to be around. Is it a case where Coach Fip has to be the straight man because it's like trying to keep the class in check almost? <laughs> At times. But but he he's pretty funny, too. He's got a sense of humor as well. Really? Okay. But there's definitely certain times of the week where it's fun to laugh. And then as you get further along the week, you know, you've really got to settle in and concentrate on the important things. Caleb Surges, I know that you have meetings and other things to get to. There were some other things that I think we wanted to touch on, but maybe we'll have to save it for a future episode of All the right. podcast. So, Caleb Surges, thank you very much for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Thanks for having me. All right. So, I, I think we broke Caleb down a little bit there. Uh, yeah, I think so, too. He's a very kind of reserved kind of guy, kind of quiet. And that's what we're trying to do on this podcast. We're trying to find out what these guys are like behind the scenes. And I enjoyed that interview with Caleb. I thought I learned a lot. That's the whole thing is he's a guy who came in the middle of last season, put in a tough situation, handled it well for the most part. And then he was in that battle all offseason and training camp preseason with Cody Parkey. And I think a lot of people thought that Cody was actually going to be the one who would prevail. Right. But he was just not the same kicker he was a couple of years back. And Caleb was, from the start of OTAs, the stronger, more consistent mm-hmm. kicker. And really, at the end, it wasn't, in my estimation, that close of a competition. He clearly won the job. Yeah, I think that Eagles fans had a conne- an obvious connection with Cody Parkey because his 2014 rookie season is maybe the best rookie season for a kicker in NFL history. Indeed. Best season for an Eagles kicker ever. And and, so. and he was phenomenal that year. And it just kind of goes to show how things go in the NFL sometimes where Cody Parkey was such a consistent kicker. He injures his groin. He's out for the year. And sometimes when you come back, you're just not the same. And give Caleb Sturgis a ton of credit for keeping the same mindset day in, day out, just coming in and doing his job. And I think as you'll hear in our interview with his wife is that no matter what happens, good or bad, he always has someone who he can talk things over with and someone who's really helped him a lot along the way. So Caleb explained how he met his wife at the University of Florida, mm-hmm. who's a cheerleader. 
it can't be the cliche, the football player and the cheerleader coming together. But let's find out from Kimberly's side how all that came about. Here's our interview with Caleb Sturgis's wife, Kimberly. Kimberly, thank you very much for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks for having me. So, Kimberly, let's go back to the University of Florida. You were a cheerleader, am I correct? That's right. And he was a kicker on the team. So how did you two first meet? Well, so of course, I was cheering. He was playing football. We had some mutual friends. So he was actually at my house. I had a sorority state function, what we call awards there, that night. But I couldn't actually attend it because of cheerleading. So they were all at my house, kind of hanging out beforehand. Caleb walks up to me, and I'm like, what's this guy doing? You know, I got to get ready, do my hair makeup. <laughs> and Caleb's trying to be smooth and introduces himself. And I have, you know, no idea who he is. And I'm supposed to know all the players, being a cheerleader for the University of Florida, you know, football, huge at our school. Of course. And I had no idea who he is. And <laughs> he tells me, you know, long story short, he's like, oh, yeah, you should go to this place or this restaurant, get the barbecue chicken sandwich, tell him Caleb Sturgis sent you. <laughs> and he kind of winked and he's trying to be smooth. And I was like, oh gag me you know who is this kid and um you know we just talked a little bit more obviously i thought he was cute i thought he was funny but didn't think much of it because i didn't think i would you know really date a football player just because of the stereotype and ironically he didn't really think that he would naturally fall for a cheerleader either because of the same reason so i guess we were like the anomalies in that aspect that my girlfriend called me over her christmas break and says guess who's interested in you and i said who he said our kicker i said Who's our kicker? <laughs> That's how it started. I, I'm the one that keeps him humble. <laughs> it's interesting because I'm trying to picture Caleb, and he's good in interviews, but he's pretty quiet. He's reserved. So I'm trying to picture Caleb getting his game on here, you know, saying, <laughs> so did he know you were a cheerleader when he first approached you, or when did he find out? <laughs> he did. He did. Kind of gave it away with the bow and the uniform, and I was getting ready for the event. So gotcha. he didn't know, but... You know, he get to ask his friend inside to find out I was different. So I guess that sparked the interest on both sides. It did take some persuasion from our mutual friends, but definitely glad that I took the risk. Obviously, good fit. <laughs> so would it have been different if you knew he was a football player up front? Well, I think I probably wouldn't have given him a chance. <laughs> yeah. He's just a great person, and that's the cool thing that I love about Caleb even now is why we've been together for so long is that no matter what circumstance, no matter what his salary is or what his status is or his performance, he's still the same person, you know, on and off the field. That's what's really fun about Caleb. It's funny because, like Chris mentioned, we kind of think of him as a reserved guy, and it takes courage just to walk up to a girl and, and to make that first contact there. But did you kind of pull him out of his shell a little bit? We talked to him about how he was homeschooled growing up and that kind of thing. Do you think you kind of brought him out of his shell? I like to take credit for that. <laughs> yeah, he gives me a hard time. He's just like, I played hard to gag. You know, I guess I texted him first, but wouldn't really communicate back. It kind of made it difficult for him to have to pursue me, but I don't really take credit for getting him out of his shell. We look back on um, the beginning days when we started dating six years ago, and I laugh now because I feel like I talked to the waitress on our first, second, and third date more than I talked to Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you keep going back for more dates then? that you know his heart was good and he was just like the few words he did say <laughs> were really funny or very meaningful so I could tell something was there but that was kind of you know the whole sweet thing about it is that we just took our time and just kind of got to know each other and it was we just always had a ton of fun in college together tons of fun so Kimberly were you an athlete yourself at any point in in high school or any time before you became a cheerleader 
Yeah, you know, actually, it's funny, actually, that I did collegiate cheerleading because I was always into soccer my whole life and volleyball, and it wasn't until later in high school that someone said, you're really petite, you know, you're obviously limber and athletic, you should do cheerleading, and I was like, cheerleading, you know, come on. Obviously, I, I was naive to the fact that it can be very intense. I have a twin sister, so my twin sister and I started to do more of the cheerleading thing in addition to our other sports, and we just kind of trained one summer really, really hard, twice a day, every day. And our, our freshman year of college, and we just tried out for the cheer team, and we just we made the team. So that's kind of how I got into collegiate cheerleading. You mentioned you have a twin sister, Kimberly. I did not know this before the interview. Did you ever try to trick Caleb? <laughs> <laughs> how well? How how well does he know me? <laughs> Funny story again. <laughs> it was after I found out from a girlfriend in college that Caleb was interested in me. We were all again. At, I guess they were at our house or something before going out. It was someone's birthday. And the funny thing is, Caleb was talking to my twin sister all night, and his friend was talking to me. So we approached my girlfriend, and we're like, wait, did you get this wrong? Like, this is kind of embarrassing. You know, we don't know what to do. This is awkward. Because, you know, after she told me Caleb was interested in me, I thought, okay, you know, you know, maybe I'm interested. But that totally confused us and threw us for a loop. And it wasn't until like the end of the night when my girlfriend approached Caleb and said, hey, did you tell me the wrong twin or what's going on? <laughs> they finally figured out that they had the wrong twin. Oh, <laughs> that's that's kind of brutal that you let that happen exactly. all night before saying anything. <laughs> well, we were confused. We thought, okay, well, maybe he changed his mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kimberly, you have a great personality. How much does that help when he's going through the ups and downs of the football season and dealing with the good times when the team's winning, he's performing well, like now, as opposed to the times when, you know, he might miss a kick or things might not be going as well? Yeah, well, thank you. It's something that Caleb and I talk about a lot. You know, obviously, rookie year, it was tough. We weren't married yet, um, and I was still living a couple of towns away. But after, you know, being married and just kind of, like, working through what marriage itself brings, it kind of trickles down into other aspects of your life. For example, we know that his worth isn't based on his performance week to week. Kind of what I was saying earlier, he's the same person to me, whether how he performs on the field. And so I think knowing that, he can come home every week and know that I still love him. I don't think anyone will stop him if he misses a kick or something. Because I know, as a former athlete, that he's hard enough on himself, so I don't need to put any more pressure on him in that aspect. And it does take time, I think, in this industry to learn. Like you said, you're going to have good weeks, bad weeks. But, you know, just the ebbs and flow of it kind of just what keeps it to go. You know, you kind of have to focus on the long term and know that his identity is, you know, in Christ and it doesn't deflate his worth or anything if he misses a kick. You know, obviously, we hate that. You know, it sucks. It doesn't feel good <laughs> for him or me. Sometimes I get so nervous for the kick. I, I'm like sweating and I'm like, God, I just feel like I did the kick out there. Like, <laughs> so it definitely is a lot of ups and downs with your emotions, but doesn't change what he means to me and as a person. When Caleb was released by the Dolphins, athletes will always say it's a business decision that they'll put on a good face and, and they'll try to move on. But kind of behind closed doors, what was that like on your end when Caleb was a free agent and looking for a new team? It was definitely our first time experiencing that. So we had a lot of uncertainty and a lot of kind of like fear because you're thinking, okay, you know, you get kind of desperate at the point you're like, okay, was that my last week of the year? Was that my last game ever? And so this job is so very competitive. Your mind just kind of starts to go in different places. And that's when we really had to just keep 
being rooted in what we know. And, you know, we really reached out to friends and family and our church to, like, pray for us. And we never felt such a peace, actually, <laughs> as we had during that interim period. It was very, very odd. I felt, like, more kind of fearful, if you will, during the season, week to week. You know, again, because I was not mature enough, you know, in our relationship and knowing this industry. I was, your previous question, I was, oh, gosh, he missed a kick. What is that going to mean? Or, oh, good, he made a kick. But it wasn't until that break where he was released where I thought, okay, you know what? Like, we're going to be okay. No matter what happens, we're going to get through this. We're going to stick together. So I actually think that being released from the Miami Dolphins and being picked up by the Philadelphia Eagles was very good for Caleb mentally and for his career. It really definitely made him stronger, made him more focused, and made him a better kicker. What has the transition been like for you coming from Florida to Philadelphia? Yeah, it was difficult at first. I actually, he advised me to stay home that first year. So, you know, as a wife, that's very difficult to hear that your husband doesn't want you there. (laughs) (laughs) But, of course, I knew that he had the best intentions for me and for himself. I stayed in Florida last year so he could focus on just what he needs to do up here week to week. I'm not have to worry about the stress of finding a place for me to live as well and get me acclimated to the city. So it was tough. It was really tough. The off-season, we really enjoyed time together back in Florida, and then that's when we made the decision that I definitely wanted to be up here with him and enjoy this awesome city of Philadelphia, enjoy the fans and the team, and be able to support him better up here. How do the other players' wives and the team help spouses and significant others who are in your position, who are new to the area, and you're trying to support your husband and you're just trying to get adjusted to things away from the field. And a lot of times you have to handle the housing and everything that goes on behind the scenes because Caleb's focused on doing what he has to do to make the team. Yes. It's funny. Some of the other wives, and I just got a joke sometimes at the situation because, you know, things that NFL wives could do, you would never guess. You know, you kind of can run the whole household and they run the ship tightly and they get everything done and we can, pack up a house, you know, in two days if we need to and move across the country to another city. So it's definitely been a great support system up here with the Eagles. A bunch of us are involved in like a couple's level study on the team. So that's been super cool because obviously we all have very unique situations, but it's so nice just being able to relate to each other and just like the craziness of this career and also be able to enjoy the blessings together. Kimberly, my last question for you is this. How good is Caleb at maintaining things around the house? What are the chores that he does? What are the ones that he needs to get better at? Give us a scouting report on living with Caleb Sturgis. Oh, living with Caleb Sturgis. He definitely, he knows this, but he is not the most organized. (laughs) He's pretty messy, so I'm going to call him out on that. (laughs) However, (laughs) he's very talented in the kitchen. So, I mean, Caleb can just have any five ingredients in the refrigerator and just pick them out and whip up a great dinner. So I do give him credit for that. He's a much better cook than I am, which isn't saying much because I'm a horrible cook. But (laughs) (laughs) Caleb is a great cook. He definitely helps out around the house. But he's so much fun to live with. We've had a lot of fun up here in Philadelphia. This has been a great interview. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's something that Alex and I wanted to do was get the wives' perspective on what it's like helping a player's career and what they're like off the field. And Kimberly Sturgis, you did a phenomenal job. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Eagles Insider Podcast. Thanks, My pleasure. Thanks so much. That was a lot of fun, Alex. Yes. I was going to say, you have Caleb, nice guy, as Mm -hmm. we said, quiet. And then you have his wife, very bubbly, great personality, and it just complements the two 
very nicely there. Yeah, I think you kind of predicted it too. You know, before we actually got her on the phone, you, you had texted her just to set up the interview. And before we started, it was, you know, oh, I bet she's going to be super bubbly and have that personality. Yes. And that's exactly what it was because you see that happen so many times with couples where they have to balance each other out. You can't have too high or too low. So that's exactly what it was. But that was a really fun interview. If you have two people who are very quiet, who will the waitress talk to <laughs> on those first couple of dates? So that's going to do it for this edition of the Eagles Insider Podcast. A special shout out to our producers, Brian Thomas and Ricky Shu, making things happen behind the scenes. Thank you so much for the support on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is you download our podcast. We will be back with another edition next week. So for Alex Smith, I'm Chris McPherson. We're signing off. You've been listening to the Eagles Insider Podcast. <laughs>